Let us pray. God, our helper, by your Holy Spirit, open our minds, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may be led into your truth and taught your will. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on the colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. A reading from prophet Isaiah, chapter 50, verses 4 through 9a. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears, I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting, because the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will condemn me? During the season of Lent, we have been following the lectionary texts, the script of scripture passages that that, uh, the church has selected to help us through the season and prepare us for a deep experience of Easter. And we've been tracing this year the concept of surrender in those texts, hearing and also heeding God's word, opening our lives to the Spirit's presence, and listening to the Holy Spirit's voice, and not just our own or the voices of others. All throughout, we've been considering how such a surrender can also be strategic for a congregation. Strategic meaning plans directed toward a goal. We're in a season of strategy here at North Creek, identifying goals, working on plans. And yet here is this season of Lent that happened right in the middle of it all. 
The season of Lent interrupts our experience of making plans and takes us to a deeper place where we consider a question of vital importance. Are these going to be God's goals or our goals? God's plan or our plan? If our goal is for our plan to be God's plan or to be directed by God, the most strategic thing that we can do is to be honing our skills of surrender to God. Strategic surrender. And it just so happens that we're not the only ones talking about surrender right now in the world. A mere two weeks ago, on St. Patrick's Day no less, the Irish rock band U2 released an extended play album titled Songs of Surrender, which debuted atop the charts in the United Kingdom, giving U2 their first number one album since 2009. It debuted at number five in the United States and Canada, accompanied by a documentary on a leading streaming platform. Now, for the youth in our confirmation class, this is the solution to the riddle you've been wondering about. You know when you've been on the Disney Channel and you, you see that thing scrolling across the top and that's where you might choose to watch the latest episode of The Mandalorian? There's that one with the three old guys, the one with the big beard and everything. You're wondering what that is? That's who we're talking about. You too, hosted by David Letterman on the Disney Channel, no less. Now, this new album features re-recorded and reinterpreted versions of 40 of their songs. Yes, it is extended play. But it's meant to be a musical accompaniment to the lead singer Bono's memoir titled Surrender, 40 Songs, One Story. In this autobiography, Bono, a.k.a. Paul David Hewson, traces the concept of surrender in his own life along his spiritual journey, and in the story of this band from their Dublin Christian roots to worldwide rock and roll fame. What began as an exhortation to militant combatants in Ireland to put down their arms in the late 70s. Picture Bono on stage at Live at Red Rocks in 1983, waving a white flag of surrender, singing Sunday, Bloody Sunday. This theme of surrender has continued as more of a spiritual theme in the band's music through the years. We've been considering some of Bono's quotes from his autobiography that's titled Surrender, quotes about spiritual surrender. Surrender to Jesus. As our Lenten journey approaches its destination in Palm Sunday and the Holy Week that follows, it's remarkable to note how Bono's exhortations to spiritual surrender echo Jesus' entry into Jerusalem and his own surrender to God's will on his knees in Gethsemane. Bono writes this, two consecutive pages. He says, Surrender might be the most powerful word in the lexicon. I am persuaded by the thought that the only true way to be victorious is to surrender. To surrender to each other, to love, to the higher power. Think of Jesus entering Jerusalem, the one who would be victorious, and yet 
victorious through surrender. A page later, he speaks of achieving peace only through surrender. He writes, Surrender is an idea at the heart of many great faiths. Quote, Not my will, but thy will, as Jesus prayed on the night the Roman soldiers came for him. Friends, on Palm Sunday, we consider the Savior who surrendered himself to God's will as he took his part in God's plan of salvation. In today's text, we see how Jesus surrendered. Surrendered to God's script so that the world might be saved. The first part of that script, the revealed will of God, God's plan of salvation, was that Jesus would enter Jerusalem as a king, but a different kind of king. Jesus entered Jerusalem on that day. Yes, an entry with much fanfare. Fanfare like cities were used to when conquering military heroes would return to their hometown along with their legions of soldiers coming back to cheers and cries of military victory. But those heroes would come back riding on the most majestic charger of a horse. And Jesus entered on a donkey, a different kind of savior, humble, peaceful, surrendered. Most significantly though, Jesus entered Jerusalem as it is written. He was surrendering to the prophecy of Zechariah, which Matthew gives us this prophecy from Zechariah in the text, in verse 5 of chapter 21. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This prophecy like all the prophecies of the Messiah, of the Savior, was God's script. It was God's revealed will. And Jesus followed God's instructions through his instructions to the disciples. He said to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And the text said this took place to fulfill was, was spoken through the prophet, and it also says the disciples did as Jesus asked. It's not always easy to surrender to a script. I have it on good authority that if a script is copyrighted, you could get in real trouble with departing from the script. The script is what you need to follow. For instance, if you're putting on a dramatic production where the author of that script gains royalties and still has control over how that script can be presented. But there are scripts in all kinds of parts of our lives Sometimes we don't like things scripted for us. 
We're in a season of a lot of athletics and sports. And don't we know the old story of the, of the star athlete who, yes, is very gifted, but is just always going rogue. And the coach is always trying to get that player back on the script, back into the play, to work together as a team. Because no matter how talented an individual might be, if they're not part of that script, they won't reach the team's full potential. God does have a script for us. And that script is in Scripture. It is where God reveals his word and his will to us. Now, understandably, and by experience, we know that it's not always easy to interpret what God is saying in this script. That's why we need to spend a lot of time studying that script. And that's why we need one another in Christian community to talk about that script with. Think about small groups, small group Bible studies. Think about conversations with one another about scripture. Think about adult education classes, showing up to worship an hour early so that you might dig into and deepen your understanding of God's script. This is God's revealed word. It's where God reveals God's will for our lives and for the church. One of the scriptures that Jesus was well aware of when he entered Jerusalem that day. Actually, it was four scriptures, all from the same prophet, Isaiah. And they are called the servant songs. And those songs are full of images of the suffering that God's faithful servant, interpreted by God's people as the coming Messiah, the Savior, the kind of suffering that that Savior would have to undergo in order to complete the mission. One of those songs, number three, in fact, is the scripture that Allison read from Isaiah. You know, Jesus, Jesus had been reading the script, and he'd been trying to get his disciples to understand a little bit more about the script. But they had a hard time seeing or acknowledging the reality of the script. The chapter before this, just before Jesus and his disciples headed up the hill toward Jerusalem, Jesus tells the disciples for the third time what was going to happen there. We are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. I wonder if the disciples heard about the being raised to life after trying to make sense of the words mocked, flogged, and crucified. The script spoke of suffering in order to save. And Jesus followed that script. That text from the third song of the suffering servant in Isaiah features reference. It's actually reference to the sovereign Lord. 
holy Lord. It actually, in Hebrew, is a conjunction that's not often used. It's really Lord, Lord. The tetragrammaton, the, the word for, G, for God, his personal presence that is sometimes translated as Yahweh, devout Hebrews would, would not pronounce that word, but they would say the word Adonai, which means Lord, in its place. You can see that in your NIV Bible by that word Lord being in all caps. That's when that word is behind the word Lord. But sovereign Lord is saying Lord, Lord. It is putting God as high as we can imagine. Reverencing God in the highest possible way. That's what the suffering servant in Isaiah is doing. The suffering servant, this script that Jesus follows, surrenders to God's purposes. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue. Wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. Jesus went to God's school and he paid attention. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. To rebel or turn away from God's plan, even though it meant suffering, Jesus carried out that script. He walked that path. And in verse 7, you heard this verse, and as Allison read it, there was such a, a, a staccato note to it. Fellow violinist, you know what I mean by that. I have set my face like flint. Flint, a very hard stone. Determined. Determined to follow God's script of salvation, even though it meant suffering for the sins of the world. Because he knew the sovereign Lord would be with him to help him. In this text, there's a remarkable awareness of God's presence. The servant surrendered to the higher power, the sovereign Lord. And we begin to see this from this moment on entering Jerusalem all the way through Holy Week into Good Friday, and especially in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew 26, a number of chapters later, because Jesus had a lot of teaching to do about God's script. But sorrowful and troubled, with his disciples in the garden, he surrendered in prayer. The text reads this, Way. Going a little further, he fell with his face flat on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he went away a second time after talking with his disciples and noticing that they were sleeping. And he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, May your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. This is the destination of our Lenten journey, our strategic surrender. The ultimate phrase of surrender 
to God. Jesus, when he says these words, is at a crossroads on his way to being the Savior. Will he move forward with God's script according to God's plan, God's will, or will, will he take a diversion? Right there in the garden, Jesus is infinitely human, just as Jesus is infinitely God. Jesus knows what it's like to be human and to know the pain of suffering, to know what it means not to want to go there. He knows what it's like because he's been there. And we find ourselves often at crossroads, don't we? Crossroads of receiving the benefits of the Savior's sacrifice for sin and of yielding ourselves to God's work within us that is the result of Jesus' saving work. And so we come to our conclusion. May God bless your Holy Week. May the Holy Spirit take you by the hand and walk with you through the crossroads. Walk with you to that place of surrender. And if it means walking here from your car to the fellowship hall on Thursday to experience anew the theological richness of Jesus' last supper with his disciples. That would be wonderful. And if that crossroads is something that you experience while you are listening to our choir lead us through sacred music, leading us and guiding us into the Spirit's presence, leading us into that crossroads of surrender. I believe you'll be grateful that you were there. But you can do this in whatever way God leads. I encourage you, and may you be blessed. And may that journey prepare us for a significant experience of the wonder of God's salvation through Jesus Christ next Sunday morning as we celebrate resurrection and Easter. Friends, Jesus surrendered to God's will. Jesus followed God's script for the salvation of the world. As we contemplate Jesus' suffering and death and resurrection, may we surrender to the surrendering Savior. Amen. Well, before we spend time at the table, we are about to, to gather around the table of our Lord. I'd like to take this moment to, to lead us in a moment of prayer, focusing on us as a congregation having a moment where we process the suffering that 
entered the world in the suburbs of Nashville, Tennessee this week. This one comes a bit closer, doesn't it? Presbyterian Church, their ministry of reaching out and educating children in their suburban American community. Did any of you wonder, what if it was us? What if it was us? A pastor whose daughter's life ebbed away from bleeding bullet wounds in his own church has led me to ask, what if it was me? What if it was me? The Garden of Gethsemane reminds us of the anguish of human suffering and of Jesus' identification with that anguish and that suffering. Sorrow to the point of death. Surrender. What's the meaning of that word in light of things like this that happen in our world? What is the tone of conversation that we hear? How much are people in a supposedly Christian nation willing to surrender at all? As we think about the script that Jesus followed on his way to the cross. I was struck by uh, the very brief prayer that Barry C. Black, the Senate chaplain, prayed one day this week before the senators met to discuss. Now, chaplains of the Senate uh, do not take partisan positions on things. Um, I am very familiar with Barry Black. He was the commencement speaker at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary when I was awarded my Doctor of Ministry degree in 2010. I have his autobiography book is signed by Barry C. Black. He's a wonderful guy. He was a, a rear admiral in the United States Navy, chief of Navy chaplains, and since 2003, he's been the chaplain of the United States Senate. And he spoke that prayer saying to the eternal God that we stand in awe of God, but that when babies die at a church school, it's time for us to move beyond thoughts and prayers. And I agree with that. And so what I've done is I have some, just some petitions of prayer that I'd like to, to read, and I invite you to pray along with. There's two different sources for this prayer. One is from the Presbyterian Church in America website. This is a sister denomination to the Presbyterian Church USA, albeit more conservative than our denomination, but we are in ministry together in the body of Christ. And the other is a prayer authored by the editor of the Presbyterian Outlook. And so I invite you to join with me in prayer as we lift up our intercessions to the Lord. O oh God, be merciful. Our hearts are broken for the families of the six people whose lives were taken in this week's expression of evil 
done at Covenant Presbyterian Church Academy. In your mercy, pour out your grace. Pour out your grace on those whose pain right now we cannot imagine. We have no words to do what only your spirit can offer. We pray for the family of our brother in Christ, Chad Scruggs, in the loss of his daughter. For the families of the other two children, for the families of the three adults whose lives were taken, Lord, be merciful. For those injured, be merciful. For the church and the school and for all those who work there, be merciful. For all churches and their members and leaders and young people and children, be merciful. For the family of the attacker, Lord, be merciful. For the life of the church and the world, be merciful. Though we live in the promise of what will one day be, when one day all sorrow, sadness, weeping, and death will be no more, today we are devastated for our brothers and sisters. And in this, our tears have been our food day and night. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And Lord, to those prayers, we join our voices with the voice of the psalmist and say, how long, O Lord? How long must we bear the pain of yet another shooting? How long must must we lament the killing of school children? Give light to our eyes, Holy One. Help us find a path through this evil. Soften the hearts of us who need to be changed. Hold those who grieve and groan, O God. Remind them that nothing can separate them from your love. How long, O Lord? Do not hide your face from us. Come into the madness of this world. Change us and restore us to your path of peace. In the name of Christ we pray.